Welcome to the Roasters Podcast. My name is Cassian Orzel, and this podcast is about all things coffee from the Roasters perspective. In this episode, we're going to look at how to become a better roaster. What I'm going to cover today is the mindset, what we can do about that, and how that is really the fundamental thing. Looking for challenge and how to look for the challenge. An example of which might be competition. And I'm going to cover different types of competitions that, as a roaster, you can get involved in. And finally, a little bit more about networking and generally trying to understand the entire industry and a coffee supply chain. Mindset. To me, mindset is really important. It's something that's going to pretty much be like a compass that's going to guide you as of what your thoughts are going to be, what you're going to focus on. When it comes to learning, we can distinguish two different mindsets, fixed mindset and a growth mindset. When it comes to learning, having a fixed mindset is really going to stop you. It's like being somewhat insecure, kind of afraid of, you know, that vulnerability of being shown that you don't know something and that you need to catch up, that you need to put in the effort to do something. You know, people with fixed mindset tend to get defensive when they're challenged. Imagine that, imagine that you're on a training session and there's this one barista who spent many years behind the bar. They're pretty confident in what they're doing. But when you try to show them, you know, there's this trick about how to dial in things a bit faster or maybe you go a little bit into like the technical, maybe sciencey detail about extraction or water quality, whatever that would be. They seem to kind of disengage. Maybe they speak out loud that, oh, they don't need to learn that, like, I'm fine, or, or they know that. Even though sometimes you're pretty sure that they don't. They try to minimize their exposure. They don't want to be challenged. It might be that their identity is somewhat tied to being a good barista, being a good professional. It's maybe that they once had an... They were imagining what is the skill set, what is the toolbox they need to be carrying with themselves to be successful within, within a given role and to kind of become the barista, to have that label, if you will. And once they've gathered all these tools, once they've gathered the skills that they deemed essential, they're like, okay, now that's, that's done me, me learning. And it sometimes might be coming from, from school, which traditionally lays out things in a very rigid, fixed way and is constantly comparing you against other people. And, and, that, and that's a trap, being continuously compared to other people, or if you do it yourself, continuously comparing yourself to other people is not, is not good for you because you just try to be good enough. Just try to pass, try to get to that school that you imagine of, or get to that job that you imagine. But operating on a fixed mindset often comes with frustration. 
Imagine you're in front of a new task, something you haven't done before. And you feel like, yeah, yeah, I, I got this. I, I, I can do this. But then you figure out it's not as easy as you initially thought. And you don't perform as usual. And it's very easy to, you know, at this point be looking for excuses. To blame others. To blame external factors. Without just admitting, okay, this is something new to me. I need to look for some help. I need to educate myself. Or I just need to put in the hours. Even though usually I do things very quickly, efficiently, move over to the next task. No, this time... Need to step on this one for a little bit longer. Now, the growth mindset is humble and open. It appreciates the process. It's like thinking it's okay not to know something. It's allowing yourself to be vulnerable. It's allowing others to be vulnerable and seeing people for what they are, for what they know and what they can do, rather than imagining what they can do or should be able to do. The growth mindset is the only effective approach when it comes to learning, when there's no ego in the way. You can take in new ideas, you can take on board much more, because you're not threatened. So you don't feel the fear of being challenged, of being somewhat undermined. Like you don't tie your identity to what you know or what is, what is the skill set that you have, because you know that this can expand. Embracing the difficulty, not being afraid, going headfirst into the unknown. So kind of going back to what, what does that mean for us roasters, right? It's easy to fall into the trap of being good enough. You know, being very comfortable where like all the tasks that you normally do on your job, you're very familiar with. You know, checking the emails, putting in the orders through, preparing the coffee to be roasted, the production roast, quality control, dispatch, and so on and so on, right? It's this level where you, you know you, you can do your job, you know you can do it well, and you're happy doing that. It, it brings satisfaction to be able to do things well. Obviously, when you start a new job, everybody kind of has this, this approach. Okay, like I'm new here, you know, I'm still figuring things out. And, and I really like this phase because it's really going to set you up. Like the longer you embrace that, oh, I don't, I don't know so many processes here. I don't know so many things. I don't know how things are done. The longer you kind of hold on to that humble approach, the better. Ideally, you're going to keep that on forever. But obviously, as you get more comfortable with, with certain tasks, you get to speed, you do your job well, at some point you're going to hit a level where you're not going to be progressing anymore. You're going to hit the plateau. And like that's exactly where you can start analyzing the why, how, or what you're going to do on the job. Just looking at the very small details, looking at how you can improve things, just continuously asking yourself that question. And especially when something comes that's slightly different than usual, when there is a little challenge, what is something you're not familiar with that you need to stretch yourself a little bit, put yourself in an uncomfortable position. Shying away from these moments isn't very good for your growth. In fact, it's gonna be, it's gonna be the example of a fixed mindset. And when something is fixed, it's not growing. So... Okay, how, how, how can we actually do that? How can we grow? 
especially if you're not being promoted sort of naturally to expand your role, if you do not have the manager who's actively coaching you on things that you can learn and become better at, you kind of need to coach yourself. You need to manage your own learning process. And that's, that, sounds, that sounds really big, but ultimately, as long as you have the good mindset, you're kind of always going to be doing that. And throughout your professional career, you're going to be improving that process. You're going to be building and building and making it better, more efficient. Okay, so moving on to the specifics. Another point is look for the challenge. And it could be something relatively big, like committing to buying an experimental process from your direct trade partner and learning how to work with that coffee, how to market that coffee, how to profile what is the best you can get out of this. But that's like a really big picture. But you can also choose a very small detail, so that even if your role is very simple, maybe you're just sticking the labels on the bags. You can always be focusing on how you can do it more accurately, or maybe faster or more consistent. Or if you're a production roaster, you can start timing your in-between batch protocol. How long does it take? And literally every single batch, write down what time it is. Now, once you have that data, you can start doing something with it. Do you want these times to be exactly the same? Do you understand why they are in some way different? Is it something that you can change immediately? Is that something that you're doing? Is there space for improving, right? And you wouldn't have noticed these things if not for setting up the challenge. Another, another thing to consider is that, you know, that challenge, it can be something that's completely new. Like if you've never for once tried to time your between batch protocol, well, that would be a very good start. And I cannot even begin to explain how many things you can extract from that information. Or maybe you're already doing that. Maybe you're kind of keeping it within 20 seconds. You know, I'm really big on continuous improvement and having a, basically a quality system that allows you to continuously improve the quality. And it starts from very small things. You know, you don't need to change massively your entire operations to improve quality. It could be lots of lots of marginal gains. Speaking of QC, you can maybe expand the process. For example, when you're testing your espresso, maybe try different pressure settings, right? That's, that's, that's becoming a trend these days to use different pressures with your espresso. Maybe you'll find out that, you know, on nine bars, your espresso blend is tasting pretty decent, but six, five bars, suddenly you're tasting something that's not very pleasant. And if you try to understand why, try to understand how different pressure or actually resistance affects extraction, you may come to really interesting conclusions. And in that case, it might be that on lower pressure, you create a better extraction physics better extraction mechanics, allowing you to have more clarity in the coffee. And if that clarity means you're going to perceive 
certain defects you have not perceived before, well, that's a plus. Now you really hope that your customers would be still on nine bars, right? But if you're targeting a progressive market, you know, home baristas who are really geeky about things, or this destination cafe somewhere in the city, you better be prepared for that. You better have the full picture, as much information as possible. Or maybe, you know, you just, you just do a quick cupping and an espresso brewing, but maybe you never really actually brew your coffee. How does your coffee perform when it's brewed on a batch brew? What about Clever Dripper, Aeropress, V60, right? Make it a part of your process, don't leave it to chance. You never know if you won't find a new expression of the coffee or something you don't like as much that for some reason wasn't apparent in the cupping bowl. You don't have time for that extra QC? Well, that's an opportunity for another challenge. You can become more efficient. Maybe you can try to do color tracking in between the batches. I know many roasters who do that. Once you start to manage your between batch protocol very efficiently, and you know that's gonna be taking you four or five minutes, and you have this one and a half minute when you're just looking at the temperature and not doing much else. Just ready to have your coffee in the hopper, ready to be dropped in, like your cropster profile or whatever tracking software, if you use one, is loaded. You're ready to go. Maybe had a quick run to the bathroom, whatever, I don't care. But you have this a minute or two but you're not doing much. Of course, you can be sitting, maybe scroll your Instagram, which I do not recommend when you're operating heavy machinery, but maybe you can put the color tracking equipment right next to your roaster. Put your grinder, your laptop, plug it in, and in between the batches, you know, how long does it take to do the color tracking, right? You can do a hole bin in between the batches, and then once you drop, you know, you're gonna either be soaking the coffee, or I, I'm assuming after the first gas setting, you're gonna have maybe another minute at least, probably longer, that you don't have much to do. So then maybe you can do the ground color. Or maybe you can put the labels on the bags while you're roasting. You know, if you're, say, roasting your main espresso blend, or whatever is the coffee that you roast the most of, you're gonna be doing like 15, 20, maybe even 25 batches a day, right? With the same profile. You, you know it very well. You, you know your machine. You know how the coffee is gonna behave. If it starts raining, you know what can potentially happen, right? That happened before. So you're prepared. So you have this extra mind space to do some task that doesn't engage much of your awareness, that you can still be picking at the curve every now and then and knowing where to do the gas changes. You know, a bit of automation of the process. If your profiles are efficient, you will more than likely have a little bit of time to do something else. And becoming more efficient, as I said, can in itself become a challenge to allow you space for more challenges. So this thing's gonna build upon itself. One of the interesting things, I'm gonna tell a personal story, 
about how I tackled one of the challenges, how I found it. So one day I saw on social media, this guy from, from a roastery, you know, other part of the country, and he was operating two roasters at once. And I'm like, how is that even possible? Like, you need to have everything prepared, everything weighed out, you need to know exactly how to time things. Because now once you get going, you, you cannot stop, right? You need to make sure that your coffee of the cooling tray is gone and cold before you drop the next one, because that would be a disaster if you, do it, if you didn't do that. And sometimes it's something you need to consciously think about when you're roasting on one machine. What if you're doing that on two? You know, suddenly it's like, whoa, there's so much to do. But I started breaking it down, you know, like every, every big problem, just, I try to break it down into, into smaller challenges, right? So I was, I was thinking, okay, so I need very consistent roast times and between batch protocol. And it needs to be solid there. It has to be like nothing that's going to detract me from that. So that then I know I can do a little bit of planning. Know exactly where my gas changes are, when my coffee is going to approach the first crack, when do I need to drop it, when do I need to be by the machine to operate it. There's a lot of thinking ahead, preparation and, and commitment there for sure. But now as I was slowly working through these things, you know, my profiles changed to be more efficient. The curves were identical, but I had fewer gas changes. They were bigger steps, but at making 20 gas changes as opposed to 10 gas changes is in no way better. Often, you know, when you roast the coffee for the first time, that's kind of how you roast, because you try to get that curve really nice and keep everything in control. And you don't know exactly how it's going to behave, so try to be a bit careful, you know, err on the side of caution, you know. I don't make two small gas changes than one that is too big. But once you get to know the coffee, you can simplify the profiles, right? So after getting my roast times consistent with fewer gas changes, I got my between the batch protocol figured out on both machines. I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. And I could do it because I try to imagine every single scenario, what's going to happen. Like, what if it starts raining? Like, I happen to work with a system that when it starts raining, it does change the way I need to approach the coffee. It's not massive, but I know ahead of time what I need to do if that happens. So the whole process of trying to understand how roasting on two machines is even possible elevated my workflow. My profiles were improved in that they were easier to follow and allowed the roaster more time to, I don't know, stick labels on the bags in between the gas changes or literally have more mind space to kind of make the job less tiring. Because if you have, you know, within 50 minutes of roast, let's say a gas change or airflow change or drum speed, whatever, everything is a simple little task that's going to occupy your awareness. If during those 15 or 20 minutes, you need to do, let's say, 40 tasks. That'd be, you know, every single thing that you do, you know, weighing in the coffee, putting it into the hopper, dropping the batch, pressing start on your tracking software, every single gas change, every single adjustment. Now, if you do less of these tasks, it's like your awareness kind of had less things to figure out. And imagine somebody came to you and asked you about, oh, do we have enough of this coffee? Or can you roast the decaf as well today? You know, you will have more capacity 
to answer that question. You will not be so focused on, okay, in, in five seconds I have my, my, my next gas change, and then in 20 seconds another one. Looking for these, for these challenges is something that can help you on so many different levels. Sometimes you don't know what you're gonna get out of this challenge. Sometimes it is obvious, sometimes it is not. But if you make a habit of challenging yourself with those small things, and again, that kind of comes, comes back to the mindset. Like If you're going to have that learning mindset, the growth mindset, you're going to be looking for those challenges. And that brings me to another point. Some of the best challenges you can do is to enter a competition. Now, it's not necessarily about winning. I myself have competed many times, but most of the competitions that I did was more about enjoying the process, trying to learn something new, you know, challenge myself, because I really like that. It was about meeting like-minded people as well. The goal of winning was never the primary motivation. It was there, it, it, it was somewhere there, especially when I knew that it is possible. And then, you know, it's okay, ah, oh, <laughs> competition, stressful, right? I need to prepare, I need to do this, I need to do that. But it's a good challenge. Sometimes it gives you a lot of fun, and sometimes, you know, it gives you this extra pressure that you need to learn how to deal with, and that in itself makes you more resilient. And you know, you don't necessarily need to start with an SCA competition. It could be the smallest competition possible, something internal. Imagine you and your teammates just have a little bit of spur green coffee, and you decide that all of you are gonna try to create a profile for this. Roast the coffee to the best of your ability. It's super interesting, especially if you go for like a very small batch size. Because that really is gonna test your understanding of the machine, how to play the heat, how to transpose your standard parameters to different batch size. You know, then you can do a blind capping and I don't know, whoever wins is gonna win a crate of beer or a dinner, whatever, just choose, choose something small just to get a little bit of that external motivation here. But from this little challenge, you're gonna learn a ton, probably improve your existing profiles, you're giving everyone an opportunity to maybe do something they don't normally do, but also, as I said, stress you a little bit, you know, trying to put you in that situation of dealing with pressure. And that can force you to be a little bit more creative. Or maybe take a risk you normally wouldn't take. Another way to compete is to sign up for a competition organized by your importer. The chances are that all you need to do is to just buy the coffee from them. And if you already bought some coffee from them, it's effectively free competition. And, you know, you're gonna spend some time on that one coffee to make it really nice, really smooth. Maybe we're gonna make sure to pick out all the defects, you know, just get a little extra edge, you know? I remember once, for one of those, I did a green grading for an entire batch of just to make sure there's no defects in that coffee. And that was a good challenge. Separate and discard the defects before roasting. Okay, I, I can see how that can improve the taste, the the flavor, you know, the complexity, or remove defects from that coffee. But it's also super interesting how you do get better at recognizing some of those defects. 
and in result, making it a faster and more enjoyable process. Now, sometimes you can organize the competition yourself. Just ask a bunch of your friends, fellow roasters, to chip in to buy the, a bag of coffee and everybody's going to get a couple of kilos and everybody's going to roast it. And then you're going to make a big blind cupping and pick the winner. You can get very specific and create a dedicated score sheet to that. But, you know, it's you can make it as complicated as you want to. There's no need to over-engineer. You can use already existing materials from, for example, SEA competitions. And maybe simplify that. If you don't want to do the green grading, that's fine. You can, you can take it out. And there was actually a wonderful initiative here in the UK. It's called the Roasters War, the Roaster Wars. A big effort Dave Stanton for putting in a lot of work behind that, and also the judges and everyone who participated. It was really well organized competition. I think you get like fifteen or sixteen people, so there's even more than the SA competition the year prior to that. It was good fun. It was good fun. You know, I spent a little bit of time trying to understand a certain coffee. Trying to, first of all, figure out what sort of profile would I need to use for such a small batch, because that was the amount of coffee that I got was smaller than what I would normally be roasting. So for me, that was figuring out that from the start. You know, that, that really pushes you to, to think about some fundamental things about roasting, about your system, about how you can isolate certain things and what you can do to, you know, not end up with like a six-minute roast, unless that's what you're aiming for. But I'm really, I'm, from my experience, I'm rarely successful with a six-minute roast. A little bit longer is, is for my preferences. But yeah, that was, that, was, that was good fun. And then obviously, there's the big one, the SCA competition, Specialty Coffee Association roasting competition, which is obviously a little bit more commitment. You might need to take some days of work, need to pay for the entry and be a member of the SCA. Is it worth it? Absolutely. You know, you're spending probably three days in one space with competitors from different companies. And they all have different styles, different experiences, different philosophies. You know, just talking to them is going to expand your horizons. Besides, you get to sample rows and create a production profile and flavor profile on paper before you actually get to roast that coffee. How many of you actually do that? Like, you might have some an idea of how that coffee is going to taste like, how you're going to roast that coffee in your mind, or maybe even have a certain structure to it. But in this competition, you are forced to get as specific as possible before you get to roast. And also, you know, just getting some time on a different roaster is going to really question what you know about roasting. Because things that work on your machine might not necessarily work on a different one. And even if that's the same model, you know, you're going to have different ducting, maybe gas pressure, there's going to be something that's going to be a little bit different. So you cannot just copy your usual approach into think about the universal things and get the best out of what you're given. So yeah, the competition, a great way of challenging yourself, meeting like-minded people, expanding your horizons. 
And who knows, maybe you'll even do well. Maybe you even win. Another thing you can do is to get to know the industry. Obviously, you know, networking is a big part of professional development. And the more people you know, the better you understand the, the different companies and how the actual market looks like, the better you can position yourself within that job market, but also the better you can try to do things at your own company and try to do things that are going to cater to the market in a better way. But obviously don't limit yourself just to other roasters. I'm going to say, just think about the entire supply chain, right? So go, go down to your local cafe and speak to the baristas. And maybe, you know, you can try to sell them your coffee. If you're not confident doing that, then that's fine too. But that's just going to give you a little bit of understanding of what is the current way of thinking. If you've been a barista five years ago, you know, things have changed. And if you roast your coffee the same way you did five years ago, I can guarantee you there's some new things that are worth considering that could improve how you roast your coffee, how good your product is. Now, obviously, you know, you need to have some fundamental understanding. If you want to ask baristas at your local cafe, what, what's the recipes they're using? You better be confident on your extraction theory because, you know, you might, you might find somebody really geeky and when they find out you're a roaster, they might surprise you with how much they actually know. And, and that's a good thing, you know, the, the growth mindset, again, coming, coming back to the first point, is going to mean you're going to be comfortable with that to stretch your understanding a little bit. I would normally recommend going to events, but that's not always possible. That's not currently possible. But it's a great way to, to meet the people. And, and don't shy away from, from trade shows. Yes, most people are trying to just sell you things there. But it's, it's one of these opportunities where so many people from the coffee industry are meeting in one place. You never know who you're going to bump into. You may have amazing conversations. You know, it might be tiring and boring in general. But you may have that one conversation that's going to really inspire you or improve your operations. Or maybe you're going to meet someone who you might be working for someday. Or someone you might hire. Again, networking. There's, oh, there's, it, it's such a deep subject. There's, there's so, so much I can talk about. But being social, even if you don't go to every you know, latte art throwdown organized in your, in your city... Every now and then, just go out and be out there, even if you're a more introverted person, which most roasters tend to be, right? But even roasters need to speak to some people. <laughs> Obviously, one way to get to know the supply chain, the producer, is to go on an origin trip. And if you haven't been, I would highly recommend to anyone. But obviously, when it's safe, when you can afford it, Maybe look for, for, linking back to the previous point, a competition where the price is a sponsored trip to origin, right? You can, you, you get two birds with one stone. How, how cool is that? Uh, assuming you win, right? Being active in the industry is always going to be beneficial. It's worth doing that. It's, it's a way to challenge yourself, not just as a roaster, but as a professional. 
Because maybe in 10 years' time, you'll decide that those things are not what you want to do, or maybe you want to move into a more operational role, more managerial. Maybe you want to become a green buyer, a coffee trader. Who knows? Maybe you want to start selling coffee. It's difficult to do any of these things without understanding the industry, without getting to know more, without going through the process of challenging yourself and finding solutions, without networking, without getting to meet people. So I'm going to swiftly move over to the conclusion. It's important to have the right mindset, to have the growth mindset, to not be afraid to challenge yourself, whether that would be a competition, going to an event, or saving up for an origin trip. You know, it is worth to be looking for things to improve. They, they can be small things, they can be big things. You know, I can be listing examples for the next couple of hours of things that you can do. But ultimately, if fundamentally you have the right approach, if you're going to be looking for ways to improve, to become a better roaster, and actually act on it, not just talk about, oh, I want to become a better roaster, put in the work, stay humble, stay open, stay hungry for knowledge and experiences, expand your horizons. I sound a bit like a broken record, this is such common advice. But like, you don't necessarily need to spend tons of money on that. There are so many little things that you can already do in your job, no matter how small it is. No matter how repetitive, no matter how boring it might be, you know, you can make it better and, and more interesting by looking for things that might be challenging to you. If you don't see the challenge that's immediately in front of you, create one. Even if it's just about how straight you're putting on the stickers on your coffee bags. All right, folks, that's everything from me. I will hear you in the next one.